Mud Stories, Episode 36. Your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me up with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place you guys don't understand i've got to get out of here my life is in danger and this woman came out her name was hazel i'll never ever forget she had like bright blue eyeliner and she was from scotland she had the most delicious accent ever and she just sat down with me and she said i need you to know that i was in an abusive relationship and that you're doing the right thing and i thought oh my gosh lord and he took me home so wonderfully even though i knew that i had not trusted him and i knew that I had, uh, I had gone my own way and gotten myself into just a giant mess. And I thought he was really gonna be mad. And just to realize that he was so present in bringing me back to a safe place, it has made an impact on me, clearly. Hi, my name is Jackie Watkins, your host, and you're listening to Mud Stories, a podcast dedicated to bringing you inspiration in your muddiest moments. Hope to make it through your mud and encouragement for you to know that you are not alone. Hey friends, welcome back to the Mud Stories podcast. I'm so happy you're here with me. And today I'm talking with Emily Thomas. Now, Emily and I are both nurses. She's been a teacher in her life, but as of late, she is a stay-at-home mom and has become a fantastic artist. And she has lived on several continents and now makes her home in Texas with her husband and her two adopted children. These days, she creates meaningful art for herself and also custom creations for her Etsy shop customers and loves to make much of God and all he has done in her life. In this episode, Emily shares her mud story from her young adult years, how she longed to be married so badly and had such a deep desire to be loved by a man. And she tells of her fast engagement, her barreling ahead into marriage despite some red flags that she and her family members saw, and the abuse and control and manipulation she ended up facing as a result. A really scary and dangerous time for her in her life. Emily and I discuss the warning signs of abuse and our fears sometimes and desperation of just wanting to be loved so badly that we sometimes are willing to settle for things that are not okay and that are unsafe and dangerous. Emily and I talk about the struggle that it is to choose divorce and all the feelings of failure and shame that follow, not only divorce, but any kind of failure at any time in our lives. And, um, you know, this failure really made her feel like God might be so mad at her and that certainly God couldn't use her for anything at all in the future of her life. But what she discovered in the aftermath of all the brokenness and pain, I think really can be a lesson to us all that God not only can, but will use everything for our good, even our most broken pieces of our lives. So it's my hope that you will be encouraged and inspired today by my conversation with Emily. Enjoy. Hi, Emily. Welcome to the Mud Stories podcast. Thanks for being here. 
Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm so excited. You're from Texas. I'm from California. And I think we met at the Declare conference last summer. We did. And I know we discovered that one thing we have in common is that we're both nurses. So I know you aren't currently working as a nurse. What in the past have you done as a nurse? Um, I did med surge, which uh, one of my friends... Another nurse described it as the junk drawer of the hospital where where to put it, you put it in med surge. Well, because everybody has a different problem, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Doctors, different surgeries. You never know what you're walking into. I think that's what stressed me out about med surge because my patients never had the same problem. And you had to have such a wide variety of experience and all the medications are crazy. Yeah. So every, every doctor had a different goal and every patient had a different problem and it was just I felt it was a little bit stressful for me. So I did that. And then um, the reason we ended up in nursing school is because we weren't able to have kids. And so I had a little more time than I thought I was going to have. And so when I first got into nursing school, I waited two years to get in because in Arizona, the wait list is really long. Oh, yeah. And then um, the day after waiting two years, the day that I got in was the day that my daughter became our foster daughter. And so then oh wow, uh, I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. Because <laughs> that's, <laughs> I, huh, all right. And so then. Now everything's on my plate. <laughs> yeah. And so we kind of, I prayerfully, like, every every semester reevaluated whether or not this was a good idea. And I got to my, my last semester and during finals week, right before the NCLEX, the big exam. Yes, um, the licensing had, exam. Yes, we had four hours notice and then we had a son, you know, and so oh my I, I graduated goodness. with two kids and I went because I couldn't have kids. So. <laughs> oh, brother, it's really funny. Oh, wow. So then you're, you know, juggling. Do I work at all? Do I work part time and yes. all that craziness? So yeah, now so you get now to be at home. Yes, I do. And I volunteer. Um, my church has a clinic in an underreached part of town, you know, with, where they don't have insurance and stuff. And so we it's in urgent care. So I get to volunteer oh, there. It's really great. That's great. Yeah. Well, before we dive into some mud, I'd love you to share a little <laughs> bit more about you and your family and your kids and how old they are and where you guys live and all of that. Okay. Um, I am married to just my best friend. He's fantastic. Um, we've been married for 10 years next month. Um, and then we have a daughter who is six right now and a son who is turning three on Saturday. Oh, three. Yeah. You know, they say, (laughs) they say terrible twos, but I think three, three is way worse than two. Yep. He's preparing really well. And especially a boy. Yes. So, so I'll be praying joining. for you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. I know, but they're still so cute and cuddly. They just want to be more independent than they're capable of being. And that's kind of the problem. They're very yeah. adventurous. Is your son yeah. adventurous? He is. Yeah. He is. Yeah. He's oh, so, so sweet. Well, from the outside, a lot of us appear to have lives that are free from any mud. I mean, you mm. tell me, you know, you've got your, your sweet husband, your two kids, <laughs> you know, and I think... Many of us behind all of that really have had some significant muddy seasons that we've endured in our past. And it might not seem like it when we look at other people and then we compare what we think we see in them to what we know about ourselves. And we start to feel really discouraged that we're alone and we're not enough and that there's not a lot of hope. And so this podcast exists to bring hope to those you know, misnomers, those places that we have misjudged that we're, Mm -hmm. that we are not alone. And so would you go back? I know you have 
a story of mud. And would you share with us your growing up years and the murky, muddy events you faced in your young adult life, how it all started? Well, I grew up in a wonderful family. My my mom's fantastic, but she was a single mom and she she's one of those MacGyver people who can take a toothpick and a paper clip and I don't know. Make anything. Make it into a car or something. I don't know how she does it, but she does. Like she oh. fix, you know, change the oil and fix the garbage disposal. Mm. She could just do everything. She she did a wonderful job. I think most people don't set out to be single parents. Yeah. Um I think you're happened, right. Right. And and she she did beautifully. But I also saw that it was really hard, you know, and mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't want to I didn't want it to be that hard <laughs> for me. And so right. as I was graduating college, I had just decided that the next step was to get married because I, I didn't want to be a single mom. Right. It it defies logic. I had no kids, but I didn't want to be a single mom. So I felt like I needed to get married. You're like, well, marriage is the next thing. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't make sense. So I've always been very driven and I've always been very like if it comes into my head, I need to get it done. Mm -hmm. And um, and that really can be great. It can really be a benefit and it it can really get you in a lot steered in the right direction. (laughs) Yes. yes. Yeah. I graduated from I was about to graduate from college and I um. I met this guy and the next day we got engaged. It was like Frozen. If you've seen Frozen, yeah. You (laughs) met someone and got engaged. There has to be more there. Like, where did you meet? Like, what was he like? I was working at a coffee shop and he came in. He was a customer and we started talking and I don't know. He was gorgeous and I, he was really tall, blonde hair, blue eyes. He had an accent. It was just... I was the victim. I, there was no no way that I could have helped myself. And he... <laughs> <laughs> you were like mesmerized, like, like love at first sight. It was really, yeah. And um, anyway, I can't believe it happened. And even as I say it, I'm incredibly embarrassed. But it did happen. But, but yeah, when I was watching Frozen with my daughter and the one girl, the sister, Anna, gets engaged uh-huh. the day right away, you know, I... I was like, oh no, like I can't. So when he ended up being, it ended up not working out. I'm like, see, good. Like, I'm so glad that, <laughs> that it didn't end up with a happy ending because that's dangerous. Right. Um, anyway, and so um, we went ahead and got engaged and um, we graduated. Well, I graduated and then um, he, he was, you know, he's on vacation. So he had to go back to his country. And when I graduated, he came back, we got married it had been just a couple of months later. So we had done a long distance, you know, relationship with someone who I really didn't even know. Um, and then we went ahead and moved to his country. Okay. So what was your friends and family's reaction to that? Um, well, I, there was some crying. <laughs> they, they, were, they were, a lot of people were like, that's so romantic. It's a fairy tale. But then some people were just a little mm. bit hesitant and a, and a couple people were downright like, this is not a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I was just, I didn't trust that God was going to provide for me. And so I felt like I needed to take matters into my own hands. So you had a relationship with God. You were a Christian. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. But um, I just, I didn't trust, I didn't trust that he would um, provide for, for what I felt like was an immediate need. Well, I think this happens a lot in our young adult lives because, you know, we just don't know what we don't know. And I think we 
have this idea that we've got this, you know, I know what I'm doing. This makes sense to me. You know, I know so-and-so thinks that they're offering me some helpful input, but you know, they just don't know me. I've got this. Yeah. 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 So I think sometimes our youth is, (laughs) is not our best comrade, you know, in, in those uh, decisions. But anyway, at that, at any, at any rate, you moved because he wasn't from here. Yes, he lived in a different country. And so, yeah, we went there. And, um, okay. you know, it's interesting. I Looking back, I, I see that God was really putting up some major roadblocks. And I just bulldozed through them all. I was not interested in, in that. And one of the ones that's so remarkable to me, I can't believe it. But um, before I met him, um, I was going to this, like, relationship class with a bunch of my friends at a local church. And it mm-hmm. was like a video class. And the videos were like from 1983, they were super old videos, <laughs> but then you'd, so you'd watch the video and then you'd break up and like talk about it or whatever. Yeah. And, um, and it was good. I was really enjoying it. Um, so then I met him, we, we were going to be married and I was going back to the next class that I had been taking. Oh, but l- let me just back up a little sure. bit. But the night that we got engaged, I was so happy. I thought this is, this is fantastic. So, uh, we were, it was like two or three in the morning. Um, and of course in college you're you're still awake. And, um, so I went and told my roommates, I said, Hey, like you come with me, come to Danny's. I want you to meet, um, I want you to meet my fiance. And, um, well, (laughs) I know I can't even believe it anyway. And so they sat down and, um, and I introduced them and the one, the one girl got up and just stormed out bawling. She's like, this is, this is the worst mistake of your life. And the other girl is like a peace, a peacemaker. And she's like, Hey, like you know trying to <laughs> trying so to what's your it. name this could possibly <laughs> <Yeah>. work <laughs> it was so awkward I know but okay so fast forward I met this this um, relationship class that I had been attending and the man on the screen from 1983 straight up said love does not happen in the middle of the night at Denny's ah uh, no way like, isn't that curious you know I just I feel like I don't know. It could have caused me to pause, but it did not. Right. But it could have also been completely coincidental. I I mean, I mean, looking back, you can say that now. Yeah. But okay. But I don't know. It just, you know, there was visa. There was just problem after problem after problem. And I just said, you know what? This is happening. And so it did happen. But it wasn't a good idea. (laughs) What do you think was the strong drive that you had to be married? Have you thought about what that was all about? It was just a lot of fear. Like I, I just wanted the security that I felt like a man would bring me. And Mm -hmm. I I don't know. Yeah. I think it's just, just a lot of fear. And, you know, my dad, he was, he was various degrees of involved in Mm -hmm. my childhood. And so I just, you know, I wanted the love of, of a, a man that, you yeah. Know, would, and so I think that's, that's normal. And that family unit maybe yeah. that you hadn't had. Yeah. Makes so. sense. Okay. So you yeah. find yourself in this other country. What I happened? Um, well, at the first things were okay, but you know, slowly, I don't know, we, we would start having a lot of conflict and, and it was always put on to me that it was my fault. Um, things got really out of control, but I didn't, I didn't realize at the time, but like he had a cell phone and I wasn't allowed to have a cell phone. Mm -hmm. I had a job and he didn't have a job. Um, he portioned my food. 
He uh, he portioned your food. He didn't want me to get fat. You know, I wasn't allowed to wear makeup, and he felt like I dressed too immodestly, which is so funny. If I have a tank top on, I feel like I'm completely inappropriate. I'm so modest. Like it's just yeah. really funny that it just it wasn't enough. He thought I was trying to get other men, and I and I wasn't. Like I was loyal to the to the end. Like mm-hmm. I wasn't doing. So that. he sounded and, a little paranoid. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I just felt like if I tried harder, you know, that it, it would work out, but you know, and other things are, you know, he'd use my toothbrush and my towel and there was just no like space between us. No boundary. Yeah. But I kept being told like, you know, it's not, you know, you're weird for thinking that's weird. I'm like, okay. So, um, he'd buy me a bike and then decide he wanted the bike and take the bike. Like it was just very confusing. I found mm. out he was writing emails from me in my account to people and I didn't I didn't know to think that maybe somebody was sending emails as me you know what I mean like there was mm-hmm. just a lot of unhealthy things going on now did this happen over the course of a long period of time or no, was this I was there for a total of four months oh so this is all a very short period of time all of this begins to emerge very now intense. was he yeah. your age and also a Christian or yes okay okay yes. so it's not like he was older or anything no uh-uh but, you know, and I, again, like his childhood was also really, really riddled with, with abuse. And so I don't have bad feelings for him. I think he was just, he was doing the best he could. I was doing the best I could. Mm-hmm. And together it was a disaster. You yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah. So um, as these, as these red flags started appearing, mm-hmm. you're so alone. You're over there. You don't yes. have friends and family. You were yes. working. I was working. Uh-huh. I was in charge of a Starbucks there. I love Starbucks. Can we just I take do. a sidebar? I, I have know. I have a problem with Starbucks. It's really it's really a pro- uh, like I have like, a problem. I go too much. Oh, I know it. I That's go to tricky. Starbucks too much. It's their chai tea latte. If they didn't have a chai tea latte, then I would be fine. I'm I so don't even drink coffee. Oh my goodness, <laughs> that's so funny. Oh, that's I know. Really but I digress. So you worked yeah. at Starbucks. You can have Starbucks whenever you want when you work there, huh? Yes, it was it was pretty nice. Um, <laughs> My twelve year old daughter thinks that's what she wants to work when she is old enough. She wants to work at Starbucks. <laughs> yeah, it's a great job. It really. Yeah, is good. yeah. Would, okay, so like you're that. you're being a barista at Starbucks, mm-hmm. working every day. Yeah, and start to f- see these red flags. What I did, like you know, I didn't know. I didn't. I just thought we just would make it work, and I wasn't. Divorce was not an option because, again, like the man provided the security I needed. So I was not going Mm -hmm. to leave the man, you know, it got so intense though that we'd be fighting and he'd say like, I'm not going to kill you. But I thought, wow, that popped into your head or you wouldn't have Mm -hmm. said it, you know? And so I realized very slowly that I was kind of in a, in a real world of hurt. And I reached out to the church that we were going to. And, and I really love those people. And I, again, I don't have any bad feelings towards them, but they were very, very, very much the letter of the law. And so they told Mm -hmm. me, I tried to explain, this is what's going on. Things are getting crazy. And they just said like, God hates divorce and you have to stay. And, um, I, Mm. you know, but I'm 22 and he's a lot bigger than me and I'm afraid Mm -hmm. and I'm going home to him by myself and Mm -hmm. all y'all aren't. (laughs) Right. And so, um, but I wrestle with that. I just started praying that one of us would die because, I didn't want to get a divorce, but I also thought I was doing the math and I was probably going to be alive for a lot longer. (laughs) And I didn't, I didn't really want to live like this anymore. 
I wasn't yeah. going to kill myself. I just wanted one of us to get hit by a truck or something. <laughs> I was open to the way we died. I just wanted wanted it to stop. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it just got really intense. And and then I had some friends reach out to me and in ways that were just really, um, really beautiful and very specific. Um, mm-hmm. A friend that I really... Uh, admired her walk with the Lord and stuff. And she, she uh, called me while I was back in the back of the Starbucks. And if you, if you know anything about, you're always in the front with the customers, but mm-hmm. I happened to be in the back for this one moment. And I had a, got an international phone call that there's a time difference. I don't even know how she got the phone number. Wow. And she called me and I happened to be sitting right there. And she said, I just need you to know divorce is not the unforgivable sin. And I thought, Oh, wow. Like I didn't even, Mm -hmm. I hadn't even considered divorce. Like I I was so focused on, I was going to make this work. I was, I was going to really try to make this work. So, well, you didn't, you didn't want to fail. You didn't want to be a single, like you had said, you know, you don't want to be a single mom or a single divorced person, you know, yeah, so hard. Um, and then, you know, just another, another woman, I called her and I never was able to get her on the phone. Um, she was a mentor to me in college and I got her on the phone immediately and she was saying the same thing. And then I talked to my mom and it just, everybody was saying the same thing. And I realized, um, I am not in a place that's good and I need to believe what the people I know who love me, what they're Mm -hmm. saying. Um, that empowered you. Yeah. So I kind of just had to put myself on autopilot and just try to like, remember to just do what they were saying because I could tell it was spinning out of control like in a it it wasn't going well it was quickly going badly yeah 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 Um, and so I tried to leave um and it didn't work he he found me and and convinced me that it, it would be fine and so um but I realized it wasn't fine and the next day I tried again and but I told the Lord I said listen I I just need to go back to the states for like a break i need to like untangle my head you know and yeah um i i was incredibly way too thin way too stressed out it just Mm -hmm. things were going really bad and so um i said lord last time when i tried to leave you know i was waiting on the train when he when he found me and so i i need a train to leave now like i need to get there i was only allowed to leave to go to work so i had thankfully i had a really early shift and so i said okay i'm going to go to work so so there I, was a lot of control going on a lot yeah. of manipulating controlling yes yeah. he had my you know tried to destroy my credit card and my passport so that i couldn't mm. leave the country and so i had them on my person um I slept with them on my person and I, I put on my Starbucks uniform and I said, bye, I'm going to work. And I, you're just, so afraid. I wow. Just, oh my gosh. It was like mm. five in the morning and I, I walked past the Starbucks and, but I knew because I had the keys, he was eventually going to know because it just wasn't going to open. It was the biggest Starbucks in our town and it just wasn't going to be open that morning. And so, so um, you were responsible for opening the store. And so when you walked to work you, your plan was what, not, not to open the store, to walk directly to the train? Yeah, it was just on the way, the store was on the way to the train. And so I just, yeah, I had the keys and I just, I took, oh my goodness. just took them with me. Um, and I, and I did, I got to the train station and, um, and I bought my ticket and the guy said, okay, well, it's that train right now and it's leaving right now. I'm like, oh wow, Lord, thank you. So, so I got on the train and the doors closed and I was, I was off to the airport. And you, you only had, did you take a bag or anything? I had my Bible and I had the store keys and yeah, that's it. 
because I was just going to work, you know. Right, right. So then I get to the train and and we go to the airport and I said, Lord, that was fantastic, that timing. (laughs) But um, I need I need he's going to know and he's going to come and um, and I need to get home quickly. And so I got got to the airport and um, bought a ticket internationally. Mm. And um, and I apparently because I had no (laughs) I had no luggage, I had just bought an international ticket um, last minute. Yeah. yeah I looked ter- I mean, I had not brushed my hair in day. Like things were so crazy in my life. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that I looked like a hot mess. And so it had been, <laughs> it was like the, the year after nine 11. And so, okay. um, they thought maybe I was a terrorist. And oh so, no. Yeah. So they pulled me into the special room and they were searching, like, I remember them searching like every page of my Bible. And I thought, well, what do you think I'm hiding like in Philippians? I don't know what you think I have, but, but so they searched everything and I told them like, you guys don't understand. I've got to get out of here. My life is in danger. Um, they eventually let me go, but it, I felt like they were still, they were definitely watching me to make sure I wasn't going to hmm. bomb something. And, um, <laughs> and when I got on the plane, the man took my ticket and, and, you know, he was just going to like tell people where to go. It was one of those right. really big air, airplanes. And, um, and he, he looked at my ticket and he goes, oh, and he turned around and walked away. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm not going to get on this plane. And this woman came out, her name was Hazel. I'll never, ever forget. She had like bright blue eyeliner and she was from Scotland. She had the most <laughs> delicious accent ever. And she said, Emily, come with me. And she took me to like the nicest part of the plane. They had like upgraded me. Mm. And um, sorry, always just is so touching, but they had cleared out um, like six rows, like that whole middle eye, that whole middle thing of seats. Mm-hmm. They had cleared it out and moved people so that I could lay down because apparently oh. it really looked like I needed some sleep. And um, Hazel said, what kind of wine do you like? And and I had three glasses of wine. Like she brought me oh. all the wine they had. Um, and And she just sat down with me and she said, I need you to know that I was in an abusive relationship and that you're doing the right thing. Hmm. And I thought, Oh my gosh, Lord, like you're so God sent her to you. Yeah. And, and he took me home. So, so wonderfully, even though I knew that I had not trusted him and I knew that I had, I had gone my own way and gotten Mm -hmm. myself into just a giant mess. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I thought he was really going to be mad, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And just to realize that he was so present in, in bringing me back to a safe place, it was just really, it has made an impact on me, clearly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, I think you're not alone. I think, I think a lot of times that is our paradigm. We grow up thinking that, you know, when we do good, when we follow what God says, he's happy with us and pleased with us. And when we choose maybe something that's not wrong, I mean, it wasn't wrong to get married. It was just we feel like oh well if we disappoint god then he's going to be angry at us yeah and um growing into a shift and a realization of of a shift in the paradigm to see that god loves us he just flat out loves us yeah. no matter what and it's so Absolutely. unrelated to what we do it's all because of jesus it's because yeah. god sent his son to pay the price for our sin and he covers it all and so mm-hmm. i think you know if there's somebody out there today wondering if god is mad at them that mm-hmm. they should really know just open their heart to know the truth of what you're saying that yeah. god's not mad he's yeah. not and he loves us deeply yeah. 
Absolutely. So you got back home. You, you that plane landed. Yeah. What happened? Um. Again, my plan was like I had a I had a another. I was supposed to go back in a month, and I was just going to come and kind of refocus and and kind of get my get my mind um, untangled and and hopefully he could come live with with me in the states because it wasn't working <laughs> right in his country so maybe it would work in our in my country and mm-hmm. um, and I just every time I spoke with someone and and I knew they loved me and we talked about the situation I would write it down like because I knew like when I talked to him on the phone mm-hmm. I would get all confused and so I just I I wrote down the truth that I knew was true about right. what God thought about me, about who I am as a person, about mm-hmm. how I should be treated or how right. I shouldn't be. And, you know, just, and it's not like I need to be treated like a princess. I just need to maybe not be. <laughs> maybe not have your food portioned and not <laughs> perhaps and given some access to the money you were earning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Perhaps. Yeah. Um, and so I. I did that for, for a month. And throughout that time, my only request of him was continue to go to church and spend time with, with God's people, please. And also go to counseling and let's like work on, you know, being healthy, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I'll do this here and you do that there. And, and it just, that those, those were disregarded and he, um, he made choices to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, be with a lot of other women during that time. And so it wasn't, he wasn't heading towards, Unity reconciliation yeah that yeah wasn't, that wasn't where he was and so sadly I eventually just was like uh this is I'm this is needs to stop um mm-hmm. but I was hard I mean I'm so sad I cried every single day mm-hmm. every single day I remember at one point again I was working at another coffee shop and um and a man walked in who smelled like my husband and when he walked in I was fine and we started talking but then I smelled him and and I just was bawling mm-hmm. by the time he was done <laughs> ordering mm-hmm. his latte you know and I so just I I was so so sad I did not want the divorce but um it it, it wanted it's what ended up happening um, Yeah well so. no matter the circumstances divorce is so very hard you know Yeah, yeah. CS Lewis says it's like um like an amputating a limb Yeah and and I really would have to agree with that <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So how did that go down? I mean, did you just say, I can't be married anymore? Or was it, did you ever return or you just stayed in the States? Um, I just stayed based on the way that I saw he was basically moving on with his life um, and, and felt like the whole thing was my fault. And I thought, okay, well, I think we're not possibly dealing in the same reality. <laughs> so I can't, I can't put myself back in the situation where I'm not right. safe. And he wouldn't come to me. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I had, I, I had to initiate it cause he didn't want to initiate it. Cause if you think about it, he had a pretty sweet deal, <laughs> you know, right. do whatever you want and, and the wife will make the money and you know, right. whatever. So he, he didn't want to initiate that. And so I had to, but I also was realizing the, the more the time went on, the more volatile mm-hmm. things were getting. Right. I, there was no going back. So, um, I really felt like I had a visual in my mind of like train tracks that just stopped. Like, so you see the Mm. tracks and then you just see nothing. Like as far as I was concerned, like I was never going to be used by God. I was never going to be blessed by God. I was never going to get married again. Like, I don't know. It's just really, really sad because again, my identity Mm -hmm. was so much enwrapped in what I could do and my Mm -hmm. success. And so a failure on this kind of a large scale really, I mean, my, my identity was not in Christ. I obviously wasn't trusting him to provide for me or trusting that 
he cared about me. And so this just really rocked me to the core of who I was. And so, yeah. What, what would you say as we talk about abusive relationships and your experience, um, what do you think might have set you up to be enamored or wooed by a manipulative person? Or you talked about some of those red flags, but I'm guessing there there often are signs that an abusive relationship is beginning. And yet sometimes it's not always super obvious. You know, people yeah. who are manipulative and abusive can be very wooing and very charming and very misleading. And I'm wondering what advice you might give to someone who may think or suspect or have an inkling that they might be heading either toward an abusive situation or being in the middle of an abusive situation. Mm-hmm. I think the first thing that I would think if you're thinking that you might be getting into one is if, if things are rushed and it has to, has to, has to happen quickly, mm. that's a, that's a red, that's a red flag. My red husband, flag. I'm married again. And my husband said, he always says now, like, if, if I have to tell you yes or no right now, the answer is no. <laughs> like, he's so opposite. He's like, I will not do anything quickly. Right. It's, no pressure. No, it's right. not wise, you know. Yeah. And so our situation had to happen immediately. And I think that that is, you know, it's certainly not wise. It doesn't necessarily mean it's abusive. but So certainly you wanted to be married, but you felt a rush from his end as yes. well, for yes. sure. Yes. Yeah. Um, but but okay. I think also if you feel as though you need to be isolating um, or mm. you are b- becoming isolated, then there's really something to that. If peop- if you're being accused of things and it doesn't make any sense, mm-hmm. you know, like if I was after other guys, I could understand being accused of that. But there was nothing it, even remotely in my right. demeanor or my actions that would indicate that. Um, so that just makes you crazy. You know, you make yeah. makes you feel crazy when you're being accused of things that aren't even the case. Yeah. yeah. And if, you, if you're just really made to feel like you, everything is your fault and you're the, you're the worst. Um, I was made to feel like everything was my fault and I was the worst. And as I, I look through journals that I had at the, at the time, I used the word, like I called myself wicked a lot and just, I just was mm-hmm. really feeling, um, I was feeling and also I was made to feel that everything was my fault. We, mm-hmm. and, um, and so, so you might have started to believe it a little bit. I did. And so I, yeah. I kind of felt like I was going crazy because I knew I didn't have any. I have good relationships with people like I I can. <laughs> I have friends that I've had for years and years. And right. Wonderful people. But then with this individual, everything's a fight and I'm always doing everything wrong, no matter how hard mm-hmm. I'm trying. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it does. It does make you feel like you're losing your mind. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any advice as you, I know you've had some opportunities to help women who have been where you were. Mm -hmm. Any, any advice beyond seeing the red flags? I mean, anything, if they feel like they're resonating with what you're saying that, wow, maybe I'm in an abusive relationship right now. Um, I think uh, for me, what, what just really, I I think, I mean, obviously get safe. Yeah, as soon as possible. Take take a, take some time and and have some space. Get, you know, yeah. get to a safe place, but also, you know, take some time from the from the conversations with that person because that gets very confusing. Mm-hmm. You know, I would I would be with my roommate and he'd be screaming at me on the phone, and I would just let her hear it because I wanted to know. Like, 
I think that's not right. Like, I think I shouldn't, mm-hmm. I think this isn't, he shouldn't be talking to me like this, but can you help me? Because I'm so confused, you know? And right. so then as other people were brought in, because like I said, previously I was very isolated. As other people were brought into the situation, they were able to give me feedback that, yeah, this is not appropriate. You are not making this up. You are being treated incredibly poorly and mm. nobody should be treated like this. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, So as you got rid of that isolation, it really helped ground you to be able to recognize the depth of the reality of the situation is what you're saying. So maybe that could be helpful for someone else. I think also like the Bible does say God hates divorce. Like I I hate divorce, you know what I mean? But but if we think of the, the, the love that God has for us, like he doesn't want anybody to, you know, abused, tortured, killed, you know, right. for the sake of avoiding divorce. Right. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Right. Well, I know as you, as you maneuvered that abuse and you chose divorce, even though it felt like those railroad train tracks were ending, you know, divorce does make you feel that way. It makes you feel like a failure. And yet God, mm. his grace is enough, even though we don't really accept that as truth right away because we don't feel like we're worthy of accepting it when we failed like that. Yeah. Um, no matter what the reason is for divorce, you know, whether we, our actions caused the divorce to happen, like in my situation or in yours where you were being treated in such a poor way. I'm, I'm wondering if you could share with us how you navigated that failure. It's such a hard thing to walk in the aftermath of divorce. It affects our relationships with God and with others. And just if you could share with us a little bit more about what that was like for you. Um, I really, I felt like everybody knew and they could see from a mile away that I was divorced in 22 and that I married Mm. a stranger. And I just was quite confident that I could not make a good decision to save my life. So that it really affected me a lot in my overall confidence mm-hmm. in everything. Yeah. Um, and I and I also just felt like God wasn't able to use me anymore. And I had kind of disqualified myself um, from from anything he had hoped to do with my life. And so um, I can so relate to you on that. Yeah, so much. And it's so hard. So really hopeless. It's very hopeless. despairing. Yes. Yeah. And I, I feel like um, God did something that was really Again, very detailed, just like with Hazel and the mm-hmm. the, um, the airplane, the air, airplane home, and everything. But my husband, I, my second husband, my current husband, we um, we went and did missions for several years. And on the anniversary of my divorce date, which has always been a really sad day, mm-hmm. um, he he used me to lead a girl to the Lord, and and I thought, wow, Lord, like that's so. That's so sweet to just go, you know what, um, I, I love you still. I'm going to use you still. Mm-hmm. It's not over. And of all days, he I chose know. to bless you on that day. I know. He's so, he's so good. And nobody ever he's would so good. have known that, but it meant like mm-hmm. the world to me, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I had a similar situation happen to me. I was at a retreat yeah. and I, um, I had not told anyone my story, not to minimize your situation, but when something bad's done to you and you get a divorce, it seems like it's more acceptable than when you choose divorce yourself, Mm. which was my situation. Mm -hmm. And so for years, I mean, three, five years, I never told a soul 
where I'd mm-hmm. been or what happened. And yeah. I lost all my relationships, the history mm-hmm. of my life because of my choices. And yeah. yet I branched out and I went to this women's retreat and they were talking about divorce at the dinner table. And really? Okay. Yeah. And these women were complaining about their marriages and yeah, and my husband, this and my husband, and they just had really negative, spiteful attitudes. And it really bothered me because here I was, I had made a choice to have an affair, to leave my spouse, to leave my life, to marry the person I had an affair with and, you know, struggling through all the guilt and shame and obvious Mm -hmm. pain and aftermath of a choice like that. Mm -hmm. And here they are in these relationships where they're complaining about marriage. And I know what caused my marriage to be degraded in that Mm -hmm. first marriage. You know, I Mm -hmm. did complain. I didn't try. And I, I, I was what they were being and I Mm -hmm. know the path that it would lead. And so for so long, I'd been so quiet. And then I, I decided, you know what? forget it. I'm tired of being in this prison of silence. And if they don't like me because of whatever, I'm just going to. So I didn't intend to say about what had happened in my life. I just made a comment about marriage. And I sort of was the advocate for their husbands at that dinner table. And Mm, I was like, well, you know, well, maybe they're having a hard time at their job. Or maybe, maybe it's a good idea to listen. Because I know, I mean, everybody knew I'd been divorced, but they didn't know why. And so unfortunately, or fortunately, God, God had this plan where the next day at the retreat, a woman came up to me and said, you know, I noticed that you had those comments at dinner and uh, can I share with you my story? And she shared with me a story of her life that was exactly what I had walked and she was distressed and distraught. And I heard God saying to me, you need to tell your story. And I was like, Oh, no, 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 I did not (laughs) agree to that right now. No, I did not. And so but he kept nagging at me and nagging. And I'm like, fine. So I was going to meet this girl back at her cabin to share with her my personal journey, because she was in a place where I had been, but Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be able to help her unless I told her what I'd been through. Well, unbeknownst to me, when I go change, put my yoga pants and everything on, I go back to her (laughs) cabin. It's late at night. You know how retreats are. It's late at night. And I'm, and I walk into the cabin and it's not just her there. It's like all her roommates are there. And it, there was this one other girl who was there who wasn't a Christian and she had come and I had ridden up with her on the way up the mountain. And she had told me about, she had taken this college class about how to find which religion was the best. And a friend that I knew had invited her on this retreat. And so she was there. I was like, Oh, great. Now I have to tell this. Anyway, I ended up long story short. I told my story and the next day was the day we were leaving from the retreat and they had communion and they offered people in a chance to accept Christ. And that girl who wasn't a Christian ended up accepting Christ because I told my horrific, terrible, muddy, no good, bad decision making life story. And she realized she had been waiting for herself to get her life together, to be okay and good enough for Jesus. And when she heard me tell all of my junk, yes, she realized and she thanked me later. She said, you know what, because I could see that. God could still love you, then I (laughs) believe it's true. Then I believe that he can still love me. And I, Mm. I became a Christian this morning. So thank you. And I was like, no way, God, you know, so God does things just like he did through you through us all, you know, he really, and all those details. I love how he did it on the day. 
that was your anniversary of your divorce. Almost like he was saying, you know what, Emily, I see you. And this is not the end of the train tracks for you. Mm -hmm. This is the beginning of a beautiful, beautiful journey with me. And I'm going to use you in big, huge, amazing ways. And what bigger way than to lead someone to him, you know? So good. So as we talk about Romans 828, You know, I know that's a scripture that's meant a lot to you. Tell me about that scripture and how God has continued to work good in your life. Well, um, about the day before I left um, the country that I was in, I I was sitting down with a girl who, of course, had a fantastic husband. And she she was also scared of my husband. She had let me know that. Um, And she she said, well, you know what, Emily, I don't know what to tell you, but I do know Romans 828. God works everything out for the good, um, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And I thought, well, that's just such a sweet thing to say, but you have no idea what you're talking about. And, um, <laughs> cause your husband's fantastic. And also this, this situation is beyond repair. This yeah. cannot, there's, there's no way for this to be good. And, um, you know, I really, I wish I could talk to her and just tell her, wow, you were right. Like mm. you, you were right because he's continued to work this out for good. He's, I mean, we, we dealt with infertility and he worked out that for good with two of just perfect kids for Mm. us. And then my current husband was unfaithful to me a couple years back. I wrote, wrote about that on Velvet Ashes recently. You mentioned Mm -hmm. that you had read that. Um, and he worked that out for good. And our marriage is so much stronger than it even was before. So God has worked so many things out for good. Mm. So many tragedies that could have, wow, been so terrible that I, at this point, I don't even have a hard time believing it. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? I have a hard time believing other things, but Romans eight twenty eight, he is he has hammered that into my head that he he can figure out a way to make it good. Yeah, and even in the aftermath of mud that we've come through, it doesn't mean that our lives will be free of mud from that point forward, right? Oh you yeah, know, there's always challenges, and yet God is so faithful to meet us in those pits of our lives and pull yeah. us out. Um, but we have to we have to remain pliable and allow him to. We have to surrender our pride. Yeah. Um, and he changes our character for good. What would you say you've learned from all this mud you've walked through? I really can trust him. Mm-hmm. Um, God really, really is for me. You yes. know, um, he talks a lot in the Old Testament and we tell this to our kids all the time, like, it will go well for us. He tells the Israelites all the time, it will go well for you if you obey my commands. And, you know, and obedience is not a burden. It's sweet. It's he wants the best for us. And so obeying is actually is for our good. It's beautiful, you know. Um, And even when we obey, there can be mud, you know, there can be illness, there can be sickness, but he promises to be with us in all those details, right? I mean, we've yeah, been talking about details. Yes, for sure. He's definitely in in the details, and I don't know. It's just I'm a planner, and so realizing how well God plans things helps mm-hmm. me go, oh wow, like I'm pretty good at planning. You're way better at planning than God. I'm gonna <laughs> let you be in charge of things, you know. And so He did. He brought me a husband when I I wasn't looking for one. Um, mm. This time I wasn't looking, <laughs> um, and and He's like a hundred percent opposite, 180 degrees different um, yeah. from my first husband. And he's just been just such a blessing to my life. He's my best friend and everything. So yeah, he he's in the details. And if we just wait on him, it's going to go so much better 
than mm-hmm. if we could just if we make it make it happen ourselves. Love that. Um, one other thing that I found just so helpful. Um, I was sitting down with an older couple before we went onto the mission field. My current husband and I, and I just told him I, my concern about being divorced and and what's what does that mean and um, mm-hmm. should I still go? Do I have any business going? And he quoted uh, Galatians six one: If anyone is caught in any trespass, any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore them in a spirit of gentleness. And the word restore. He told me this in the original language. I certainly don't know it, but the word restore is like mend, and it's the word they would use when the fishermen were mending their fishing nets. They didn't just cast out the things that that were, you know, had holes in them. They fixed them and used them again. And he said, and so God is going to restore you and use you again. And so that that really let me know. And then, you know, fast forward a couple months on the anniversary, and, and I was able to lead the girl to the Lord. Mm-hmm. So that was just he has restored me. God and, confirming and, that. Yeah, it was really sweet. I love that. Well, I am so, so thankful that you said yes to join me here. I think your story is one that can encourage so many people, whether they've, you know, been in an abusive relationship, know someone who's in an abusive relationship, or whether, you know, they've experienced some failure that they've chosen, or maybe some tragedy that's happened to them. I think no matter what, you know, when we go through those hard things, we really feel like maybe they can disqualify us from God, either loving us or using us again. And your story is one that is such um, a beacon of hope to all of us to see, you know, and it's been years in the making. I mean, years in the making of being able to talk to you today and you share all those years of benefit looking back, because a lot of times looking back is how we do see God working in the moment. We trust he is working, but it doesn't always feel like he is. And yet it's those times we can look back and see how he has worked that can really strengthen us and edify us and build us up and give us hope that whatever we're facing today, he's going to do that for us too. So I'm so thankful that you're, you're sharing with us today. And I would love for people to connect with you more and to be able to find you online. So I know you have an Etsy shop and it's something about turning scripture into art. How did, how did that happen? And what do you do? Tell us a little bit about that and how we can find you online. Okay, well, um, it's easy. All my, all my names online on everything, Instagram and Facebook and everything is Hey Emily Thomas, like H E Y Hey you. Hey so you, Hey Emily hey, Thomas, love that. Yeah, th- there's seven million Emily Thomases, and so, <laughs> um, that's what I am. Um, yeah, I about a year ago actually, I just had my Etsy shop is one year old now. I got invited to an art party at my neighbor's house, and I my mom's an artist, but I. I never considered myself an artist because my mom's so fantastic at it that I thought, well, <laughs> that's that must that's her thing, name. yeah, because I can't do that. Um, and I anyway, I got invited to this art party and and I did. I I'm very type A, you know. If it's not going to be perfect, I don't want to even try. And so I just stared at the blank canvas for a really long time. And when I eventually started, I loved it and I never stopped. So I just I make things with it's mixed media, so paint and paper and okay bubble wrap, anything I can find just laying around my house that's going to make some kind of fun texture. I just put it on a canvas and then I put, um, you know, scripture on it or something funny or I've had, it's really been a blessing, Jackie. I've been able to do Mm. like 
last words of a spouse that someone wanted to remember or like memorial plaques for babies who have died. Like, I just thought I was going to be making like, I don't know, (laughs) just like a scripture or something Mm. with people and not that just a scripture, like not that that's not fantastic, but people have just brought me into incredibly intimate and Mm -hmm. painful and special moments of their lives. And it's really been, it's really been what a privilege and what an amazing way that God can use you in that way too, in an unexpected way. Like you never set out to be an artist and have an Etsy shop. Goodness. No. I, for so long, I would say I was an artist with, with air quotes because I thought, <laughs> what does even have This is so weird. But I had a friend who told me, you really need to stop the air quotes. <laughs> so, <laughs> Delete those air quotes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, so Anyhow. great. Okay. Well, yeah. I love that. And also, I just wanted to let you know, if you guys, I recently started turning my art into prints now in my shop, and I wanted to um, offer one to one of your listeners if they're interested I have one that I feel like would um would go along with this it's from a hill song song called oceans and the words are just I will call upon your name and keep my eyes above the waves because the fact is we all have waves we all have and we, waves and we we need to not stare at those we need to look to God because that's that's where we find our hope you know and that's where oh. we find our help so yeah how generous thank you so much emily i know somebody would be so blessed by that so hey you all if you want a piece of emily's amazing art you can head over to the show notes or you can go to mudstories.com you can leave a comment on this post or you can always leave a rating or review but if you do leave a rating or review to be entered send me an email jackie at jackiewatkins.com so i know that you did and uh yeah so we will uh hang out in the comments and chat with you all about anything you want to chat with us about. And, uh, you know, a week or so I'll draw a random name and somebody will be blessed by your awesome art. So Emily, thank you. Fun. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing a piece of your, an intimate piece of your life with us. Mm. And, um, I'm just praying that it meets someone right exactly where they are today and brings them much, much hope. So yes, I hope so too. All right. Well, have an amazing day. Thank you too. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Well, that's all for this episode. I'm so thankful you could join us today and super thankful for Emily and for all that she shared just so transparently and candidly. And I'm just hoping whatever mud you're facing that her words and her story will have inspired you that there is nothing beyond hope for you today. And God sees you and he knows and he is with you in all things. And so if you would love to win the beautiful print from Emily, make sure to head on over to the show notes and leave a comment at JackieWatkins.com forward slash episode 36. Or you can also leave a rating or review on iTunes to be entered to win. And to do that, all you have to do is go to JackieWatkins.com forward slash iTunes, or you can search Mud Stories or Jackie Watkins on your podcast app or iTunes on your computer or iPad or whatever mobile device you use. But if you do leave a review or rating on iTunes, I need you to send me an email at Jackie at JackieWatkins.com just so I know who to contact if you win. 
Also, you can get the Mud Stories app for this podcast for free, and every episode will update automatically onto that app. And you can get that for free on any mobile device by going to JackieWatkins.com forward slash Apple app if you use an Apple device, or JackieWatkins.com forward slash Android app if you use an Android device. Also, you can get a free audiobook today by going to mudstoriesbook.com. All you have to do is sign up for a free 30-day trial, which you can cancel at any time at no cost to you. And when you do that, you not only get a free audiobook, but a small commission is given to us here at Mud Stories to help support this show. And I'd be so thankful again if you would take advantage of that. So again, you can go to mudstoriesbook.com. I really hope that these stories are inspiring to you and bring you hope and a little light in your week, no matter where you are listening. And if you've been touched or helped by this podcast at all, I would be so honored and thankful and grateful if you would share with just one friend, maybe send them a text or an email, just a way for them to know about this podcast, that it exists, and so they are able to be encouraged too. I know that spreading the news about this show by word of mouth is really the most important way for our podcast to grow and for more people to be encouraged and inspired and moved by these amazing stories. And so it's my hope for you today, no matter where you are, no matter what you're facing, no matter where you've been or what lies ahead for you today and every day. May you find a grateful song to sing. Have a beautiful day. I never in you ever feels a press upon my mind. I pull a shame that leaves me a little bit blind. I cannot see beyond the blame and I never will find a way out. And then I feel you next to me. My head to see your strong arm reaches to me. Your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me up with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place. Upon my mind, a pull of shame that leaves me a little bit blind. I cannot see beyond the blame, and I never will find a way out. And then I feel you next to me. You lift my head to see. Your strong arm reaches to me. Your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me off with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place. You overwhelm my broken thoughts and you mend my lost and damaged heart. I find myself where I belong in your safe a grateful song to sing.
song to sing, a grateful song to sing.